Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. afternoon and good evening Light listeners welcome to another brand new show a podcast dedicated to uh, working through the scriptures and explaining the harder to come by books and hopes that you will be able to listen and actually uh, read these books on your own and be reminded of just these little pieces that we are working through and be able to see and truly uh, paint that bigger picture, if you would. So I'm your host, Pastor Alex, and I am a Lutheran pastor in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, which is an absolutely fantastic place to be. My wife and I and our kids love our community. Nice little farming town uh, with uh, nothing close, which is amazing. I love it. And so the community that we have here in our church is truly amazing. I'm very blessed to be a part of this church and blessed to be called here to preach. And uh, part of that ministry is now this podcast. And so, and you know, we've been doing the podcast obviously long before uh, I became a preacher full time, but the podcast is now a connection to what I do in the church. And so, you know, working through the scripture and explaining the text and, uh, and, and wrestling with those harder to wrestle pieces and taking it from different viewpoints and different understandings. Um, I generally have Lutheran commentaries and, and, and study notes on my screen. However, I will also look at other we, uh, means to interpret a particular text. So I have an ESV study Bible with, and, a, and a Reformation study Bible on top of all of the Calvinist uh, commentaries and other pieces of those puzzles to uh, help maybe paint a picture a little bit more vibrantly for you. Um, I don't often go there, but I will make a note if I'm going to uh, use something, if maybe a particular passage uh, isn't necessarily covered in the commentaries that I have. So that's the uh, introduction to the show. We are listener supported. And so uh, thank you to all who are patrons and who have contributed um, some money over time. 
we are working on kind of revamping once again this program. And it and it's gone through a lot of iterations and changes over the last couple of years because you know things change, life changes, and uh, but my goal is that uh, I'm going to finish my seminary courses here my uh, within the next you know year. My goal is to be done by no later than May of next year. And I'm going to make a big push to um, get done by Christmas this year. So I'm going to really lean into it. My patrons know this. And I have some I have some things that I want to work on post-seminary, which will, uh, for the most part, will be exclusive until for the patrons for a long period of time. For instance, I have a couple uh, writing projects that I want to take on. Uh, the patrons will have that in their hands long before the general public does. So some incentives to come and join us and also to help fuel this this new endeavor uh, of Undying Light. And we are going to be changing different things on the website and um, we're going to probably lean up and, and, and really hash out what the patrons really like. And so I've asked them uh, a few different times and, and ways and they enjoy the early podcast release. Not all of them listen to the podcast when I release it, but they do. Um, they like the sermon notes that I give. They like the videos uh, that I do for them. And one thing that we've done, and we haven't done it in a while, is a, is a group meetup. And we are going to do, we've been doing it over Zoom because you know, I get people all over the world who help sponsor the show. But you can join us on that. On top of all of that, we do the Bible study every other week. Um, that's in conjunction with my church. So I teach the church. I have a Zoom set up for those who can't make it from the church and for the patrons who obviously don't live in my town. And so all of that is freely offered to you as a as a benefit and a perk to joining the patron uh, family. And you can do so for a dollar a month. You can pay a whole year. And that actually has been quite popular uh, for people of recent uh, signups. They've just opted for the year because it's like 10 bucks. And some change, and you get all 12 months taken care of. And then just next year, it rolls around and 10 bucks again. You can give more. I would, you know, not oppose to that because this show does run off of your generosity. But uh, you can give as little as a dollar and as most as you want, I guess. I don't know if there's really a cap on it. But uh, we have people who give, you know, a variety, you know, anywhere five bucks a month, 10, 20. Um, and, and it definitely all help is helpful. Because uh, being in a small community with a small church, you're not, uh, you know, and, and then supporting a podcast, it, it can get pricey after a while. But that's not the problem. Um, my biggest thanks goes to you, the listener, and more importantly to the patrons who help support the show. Because then the listener wouldn't be able to listen to the show because if I didn't have patrons to help run, you know, to help finance the show, I probably wouldn't be doing it today. And so my two big things, biggest goes to the patrons and the second biggest goes to you, the regular listener. And again, you, the regular listener, have a lot of power in growing the show for us. We can share it amongst our peers. We can share it on our social media platforms. We can subscribe to whatever channel uh, we listen to it on, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, podcast, uh, the Amazon podcast. We're on audio books. We're on every other platform out there. So wherever you are, subscribe, leave us a review and tell us how we're doing. And that helps uh, drive this show uh, forward. So uh, this is the Friday show. So again, everything is 
you know, all the housekeeping tips are up front and in your uh, in your pocket because I want to um, take my Friday shows and dedicate them to kind of some house cleaning and then we get into the scripture, a little bit of updates on what's coming down the chute and a little bit of, um, you know, things that we're working on, projects and et cetera, et cetera. So by now, the uh, interview with uh, Chad Bird has released, and I hope you have had the opportunity to go and listen to that episode. We took a journey through the Old Testament and and uh, excavated Christ in the text, and we looked at how uh, the Old Testament text continuously points us to Christ, and we see Christ actually <clears throat> being in the text. It is, you know, he wrestles with Jacob in Genesis 32. Uh, the burning bush in, in Exodus chapter 3, and so on and so forth. And so all of these iterations, you know, we, we can point and say that this is truly Christ in the Old Testament, the pre-incarnation of Christ. And so it was a great episode, a great interview. I was so blessed to have Chad on here, so very thankful for that. And I'm hoping that uh, sometime next year we can have him back on the show to promote some more of his books and talk a little bit more on some other projects and things that he's working on. So... Go and listen to that episode, and uh, this coming Tuesday, we will be back in our uh, baptismal series. Uh, We will be working on part four, even though the episode will, I think, say part five or something. I don't know. Um, I I got to look at my listing because I had had a bit of a mishap with my uh, naming convention, and uh, I, I, I mislabeled the first show that was on sacraments and ordinances and I titled that um oh it'll be part it'll be part three which will come out next Tuesday but I I labeled them just baptism part one baptism part two and I didn't even think about um differentiating between the sacraments and ordinances and so when I went in to uh, load the show into ACAST I loaded it sacraments and ordinances as the title and uh And then I went and did, you know, baptism part one, baptism part two. And so unbeknownst to me, when I, when I released baptism part two, which was a week and a half ago now, um, as I record this, it was just last Tuesday, but as you hear, it'll be a week and a half ago. I I uploaded the wrong audio. And so if that seems like an episode you've already listened to, which would have been episode, uh, the baptism part one, please go back and double check. Um, I know Spotify was having some problems. Um, taking the new audio and I don't know, and I'm actually going to pull up, uh, pull it up now. I don't know if it actually, uh, got resolved and it doesn't look like it has. So if you, I don't know why it does that. I was talking with a couple of people. I might have to republish the entire episode, um, with the new correct audio. And if that is the case, and, and I gotta actually, I'm going to look and see what my um, analytics are on it. And if, because Spotify, at least on my side, isn't showing the correct show, that means you haven't listened to it. If you use Spotify and I know Spotify and iTunes are the two highest listened to, um, shows. And so, yeah, it looks like, uh, looks like there's been a, a, a significant decrease. Um, and I'm venture to say that it's, you know, some of these loading issues. So, yeah, I'll have to, I'll play around with this a little bit as I'm recording and, uh, I'll figure out what, what the big deal is. 
because the goal, <clears throat> as always, is to bring you you know new episodes every uh, twice a week. So as I record it, I will. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if I can get a re- resolution soon, but I do definitely want to figure out the Spotify piece and why it's continuously showing the wrong um, track there. The episode is about thirty minutes long; it's not twenty-three, and so I want to, you know, again get that into your listening hands. If you only have Spotify, you can go to the web and listen to it on Acast, and just Google search Acast Undying Light, and you can find it there and get the correct audio. But um, or I can just send you a link if you message me on iTunes if you can't get it on Spotify. But I'll I'll work on that as a uh, as I can this week. So. Um, that's a little bit longer house cleaning than I was anticipating, but some that the last show kind of uh, jumped into my head last minute. So I want to, <clears throat> excuse me, get into our next installment, and we are going to um, read on Joel. So Joel is a prophet; he's a minor prophet, and um, he comes just after Jehoshaphat. Uh, this is after the reign of Jehoshaphat, which was 873 to 848 BC or later, um, which would pin us, um, you know, somewhere around Samaria with Israel Falls to uh, Assyria. But we can probably date this book somewhere between 848 and 800 BC. Somewhere in that time, this is when Joel was written. Um, places of Judah, Jerusalem, and the Valley of Jehoshaphat, and uh, obviously the the uh, we have uh, Joel as being our main character in this book. We have the elders and priests that he's talking about as well, and we'll have a couple other special appearances. The purpose of this book is simply this: a call to fasting and repentance before the day of the Lord, depicted by a plague of locusts and a coming battle. So before we even get into it, before we even start to uh, unhash uh, the the text next week, we already know right off the bat that we are going to be dealing with some eschatological texts. And as we said last week on Obadiah, there's there's a difference between um, God's judgment in an isolated incident and then God's uh, complete and full judgment upon all of mankind. And so we saw last week with Obadiah as he was uh, writing to essentially tell the Edomites that they will be destroyed, that would be an isolated judgment by God that was focused solely on one particular people group, and it was because of their wickedness. Now we go into uh, this this warning, essentially this uh, prophetic writing, and. Joel is now going to point us to, again, this concept of the day of the Lord. That's depicted by a plague of locusts and a coming significant battle. So we have that uh, concept already at the front of our minds as we read through this. And, you know, we talked about the day of the Lord on our eschatology series. We had a whole episode dedicated to it. We did pull a little bit of text from Joel uh, as we worked through kind of what scripture's uh, bringing us to an understanding of. And so when we see the day of the Lord, it's generally a day of judgment. It's a day of uh, complete and, and, and utter judgment. And, and I say that because 
when we get to like Matthew 24 and 25, where Jesus is telling us about the end of times, he is pointing to a very specific day where all of these events will essentially be completed upon. So he gives warning in Matthew 24 of false teachers and, and false prophets and wars and famines and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, those things won't happen in a very isolated moment of time. They happen all throughout the history of our world. And we know that from the ascension, after the ascension, after he went to heaven, we have all of these false prophets and teachers coming out. Paul even writes against them. John writes against them. Peter writes against them. And so we have uh, Jude writes against them. So we have all of these people in, in as New Testament pro, uh, apostles writing against false teachers. They were already in their midst. And so we know that this has been going on. Uh, we know early church heresies. We know um, the, the, the downfall to the Roman Catholicism. We know uh, even in Protestantism, there's um, many different drinks and flavors that um, some are definitely not biblical, like the one oneness Pentecostals or um, those who uh, you know deny the Trinity, things like that, which would be essentially a oneness Pentecostal. But you know, there, there are different flavors and different breeds of uh, Protestantism. And so it pays us to know that there are many false branches out there. And, and we know that these events will continue to occur until the day of the Lord. And Jesus gives us that uh, depiction and he talks about it in, uh, you know, in, in the um, Olivet Discourse. And then Paul calls back to it uh, throughout his writings, 1 Corinthians and 1 Thessalonians and other writings that he has. It's always pointing back to that day and it's, and it's with the blast of the trumpet the heavens will shatter open. The angels will appear and go out to the four corners of the earth, collecting the elect. <clears throat> the dead who are in Christ will be raised to meet him as he is, you know, coming down from the clouds. Um, and, and, and the dead will rise. The, the elect will go with Christ and then judgment will happen. And so this is all, you know, one big event. So the day of the Lord is that moment. However, throughout text, we have uh, isolated instances where the day of the Lord is, you know, takes place. We have, again, last week when we looked through Obadiah where the Edomites were judged, that would have been the day of the Lord. Anytime God exercises his righteous judgment, that is can be considered a day of the Lord. And so it pays us to understand right out of the gate that Joel's going to be dealing with those eschatological <clears throat> um understandings and we will see a lot of uh, the similar plagues that Egypt had uh, upon the Israelites and we will also see <clears throat> excuse me some of these kind of uh, being parallels into revelation and uh, how John is is giving a further descriptive narrative to the events happening during his time and all the way to the final day. And when we mean final day, we mean final day and, and the concept of our understanding of time, because when the new heavens and the new earth are ushered in, time does not exist anymore. Eternity sets in and everything is uh, everlasting. So punishment is brought about here in Joel by locusts. We'll have a day of darkness. We'll have fasting and mourning and a 
the judgment of the nations. These are the themes of the law that we will uncover in this book. However, as always, there is the gospel that shines brighter, and we have God's mercy and grace for the uh, repentant. We have consecration, the gift of the Spirit, a harvest of blessings, and a refuge for enemies. So amidst all of the punishment that's going to come, we have God still being slow to anger, merciful and graceful. And we talked a lot, of, a little bit about it last week too with Obadiah that God is one who gives them time to repent and turn from their wicked ways. And yet in the construct, uh, the Edomites still do not do it because, and, 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 and I'm going to probably go out on a branch here, uh, they were not sent a preacher, right? How could they have faith to repent if a preacher is never sent to him, a prophet or, or, or somebody of the sorts, right? Paul tells us that in Romans 10, that the word or faith is given by the word being preached. And it is God who sends the preacher into a place to uh, preach that word. And when the word is preached, faith is administered. That's a paraphrasing of Romans 10, 10 through 17. And we see that throughout this time when God is leveling judgment upon a nation, they had no prior acknowledgement of God. They they could care less. And and I think we could also highlight, though, that God's mercy stands strong even against those who are not the nation of Israel. We turn back to Jonah, and we see Jonah and the whale, right? We've got that text. But more importantly, Jonah's being sent to Nineveh, and a, Jonah and a fish, I guess. Uh, he's being sent to Nineveh, and that's the most crucial piece to the entire story. It's not that Jonah spent three days in the belly of a fish, which is absolutely astonishing because it shows us a parallel connection to what Jesus tells us. But the bigger picture to the story is God's mercy for the Ninevites, a, a nation, the Assyrians who uh, hated the Israelites. And yet God is still giving them a chance to repent. And that's what happens. Now we don't know how long it was for, you know, or if it was just this specific generation but we do know that the Ninevites down the road will be uh, wiped out be due to God's judgment. So it, it, it's helpful for us to read these texts and we see when the day of the Lord is being presented, it helps us to understand that there has been uh, ample amounts of warnings. Time has been given, um, you know, often in the, in the scope of decades or hundreds of years of warnings have been given. And finally, God exercises his judgment. And we see that it comes against Israel more often than it comes to other nations. Now, we do see in the early formation of Israel, uh, especially during the time of like Joshua and even Moses, we have uh, Israel going into these nations and, and killing and slaughtering all of these people because of their wickedness. And then God is giving the, their land over to the Israelites. That's a little bit different than you know, the pending judgment against Edom, which again are descendants of Esau, which, uh, you know, is Jacob's brother. And so again, it helps us to understand that these are points in time through the old Testament where God is exercising his righteous judgment against a wicked people. Uh, and anytime God does something of this measure, whether it's the flood, whether it's, uh, the Israelites conquering a nation, uh, whether it's God's judgment of fire and brimstone from heaven, whatever we are encompassing, it is God's righteous judgment, and he is still righteous and holy 
as these actions are being displayed. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah, God was righteous in his decision to level the city. The flood, God was righteous to kill all of the people in the world except eight. Because what we don't understand as people oftentimes is we think, oh, well, we're not that bad. But in reality, the sin that we carry, the sin that we harbor in our souls and in our minds and in our hearts is the chasm between us and God. And we have essentially every time we sin, we are, you know, smacking God in the face. We disbelieve his promise and we further drive that wedge. And so it only makes sense that God, who is holy and just, would bring swift judgment to those who um, who want to, uh, you know, commit sins. And again, that doesn't get, you know, we get a whole other discussion of the sinner and um, justified in that action, right? As Christians are, are that we have been justified because of our faith, as Paul writes in Romans 1. But yet, as he will expand in Romans 7, which is the next um, chapter we're talking about in our Bible study. So if you want to join us on Patreon, you can catch that 7 p.m. Central Time. On uh, it's in every other Sunday schedule. We will be doing a little bit less of those during the summer months, just because um, our church loves to do stuff on Sunday evenings, like go play softball and things like that. So, but we we do a Bible study quite often there. And, and Romans seven is that um, next chapter in our in our journey, and we will see uh, Paul writing about the things that he um, that he struggles with, and so we will see how. On one hand, you're justified, and on the other, you're still a sinner. And that's just the truth of the reality. And so, but we have we have come to faith, and we have come to know that Christ died for our sins. And so we have to understand that there is a little bit difference in terms of what God's judgment will look like. Through the Old Testament, it was much different uh, than it was after Christ. Because now that Christ has been has come in the flesh and has died for the sins of the world. Now the gospel goes out to the world to call all of the believers to Christ. And once all of the believers have been accounted for throughout time, then the day of the Lord comes and judgment will be swift upon those again who disbelieve. And so we talked a little bit about that pretty extensively actually last night in our Bible study on Romans chapter six. And we talked about, you know, being a believer all the way until the end of the journey. And we talked about the parable of the seed sower and, you know, it was a, it was a really great conversation because it helps us to understand that there will be people who spring up in our lives who appear to be Christian and then they fall away from the faith because they uh, had some sort of suffering or persecution or something like that came about to them. But anyways, that's side tangents for looking at this uh, story in Joel, but we will get, um, some pretty heavy eschatological themes in here as we will start to unpack next week. Uh, in fact, the title in uh, verse two and on in chapter one here is an invasion of locusts. So we, Joel doesn't waste any time getting into it. Uh, so today the hand to mouth existence of nations such as Judah may seem worlds apart for them. A plague of locusts could mean the difference between life and death. Today, if a crop freezes in one part of the country, we can always receive our food from another part. The Judeans lived with a much clearer sense of their dependence on heaven, yet they were still slow to repent, even in the face of disaster. As we read, Joel, hear this alarm, tighten your belt, and take his call for repentance to heart. Now, it's it's kind of funny because 
Uh, my wife and I were having a conversation similar to this um, the other day um, on our way to the dentist. And we we're talking about self-preservation and how self-preservation essentially is the disbelief that God is going to be faithful to his promise. Now, you might argue with me and say, well, I need to save my money and put it into stock and I need to, I want to be able to retire someday. Yeah, that's fine and, and dandy, but there's, I guess there's the the means by saying, uh, I, you know, I, I need to do this because I, I, I don't trust this, that, and the other, or I, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And then there's the means of just simply doing it just to be able to retire and live off of whatever money is there. For my wife and I, we, we put money in our, you know, retirement accounts and, and we hope that one day um, God will bless us to retire together and we'll be able to enjoy our kids and grandkids. But until that day, we continue to work through the means of the kingdom. But that element of self-preservation is is the disbelief that God will be faithful in his promise. And so it, it helps us to understand that, like, you know, in today's culture where we, you know, as, as the text just highlighted that we, you know, if a crop fails to be produced in one part of the country, we can just look at the other part or another part or another country in, entirely for that particular crop. And yet here in Israel, they were so much more dependent upon God and his faithfulness to deliver a, a fruitful crop to the people. And so when a plague of locusts come, which locusts will generally eat all the crops and destroy the crops, this was catastrophic to, to this essentially small nation because it's not like they're tr- trading with the Assyrians or anybody around them. They are self-dependent, and more importantly, they are dependent upon God. So here's what Luther writes on Joel. He says, Joel was a kindly and gentle man. He does not denounce or rebuke as the other uh, prophets do, but pleads and laments. He tried with the kind and friendly words to make the people righteous and to help protect them from harm and misfortune. But it happened to him as to the other prophets. The people do not believe his words and and held him to be a fool. Nevertheless, Joel is highly praised in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 2, Peter quotes him. Thus, Joel had provided the first sermon ever preached in the Christian church, the one on Pentecost at Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit was given, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 16. St. Paul, too, makes a glorious use of the saying, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, Romans 10, 13, which is also in Joel chapter 2, verse 32. In the first chapter, he prophesies the punishment which is to come upon the people of Israel. They are to be destroyed and carried away by the Assyrians. And he calls the Assyrians cutting, swarming, hopping, and destroying locusts, chapter 1-4. For the Assyrians devoured the kingdom of Israel bit by bit until they had completely destroyed it. In the end, however, the king had to suffer defeat before Jerusalem. Joel touches on this in chapter 2, verse 20, when he says that I will remove the northerner from you. In the uh, second place at the end of the Second chapter, and from the point on, chapter 2, verse 28 through 321, he prophesizes of the kingdom of Christ and the Holy and of the Holy Spirit, and he speaks of everlasting Jerusalem. He speaks of the valley of Jehoshaphat and says that the Lord will summon all nations hither for judgment. The ancient fathers understood this to refer to the last judgment. I do not content, condemn this interpretation, but hold nevertheless that this is really Joel's meaning even as he calls a Christian church to the everlasting Jerusalem. So he calls it also the Valley of Jehoshaphat. 
He does so because through the word, all the world is summoned to the Christian church and is there judged. And by the preaching is reproved as being together sinners in the sight of God. As Christ says, the spirit of truth will reprove the world of sin. John 8, 16, 8. The valley of Jehoshaphat means the valley of judgment. Thus, also does Hosea call the Christian church the valley of Achor. So, as Luther highlights, you know, the, the, the general uh, consensus, if you would, for interpretation on uh, the valley of Jehoshaphat is simply that this would be the last day. But Luther also tries to bring in another little bit of light on to this, and he says that the, the church is essentially a representation of that valley because all of the world is called to acknowledge Christ as Savior, and those who don't will be judged, will be punished. So a couple challenges and a, and a couple blessings, and then we'll, um, we'll conclude here real quick with a, uh, uh, the outline. And I know this show's a little bit longer than normal, but uh, I did rant for a little bit on some non-essential stuff. But here we go. Historical context. Scholars are not sure when the prophet Joel wrote, providing dates ranging from the 9th century to the 2nd century B.C. Since the prophet likely mentioned King Jehoshaphat, the prophecy would date no earlier than the 9th century. He describes the temple services and addresses the priests as empathetic to his concerns, conditions that did not always exist for later prophets. In view of these things, the earlier date is preferred. The Plague of Locusts. Interpreters have struggled with Joel's vision and the description of invading locusts, wondering whether he meant a literal locust plague or was given a figurative description to the invading army, such as the Assyrians or the Babylonians. As Luther highlights, since the prophet nowhere clearly describes the Assyrians or Babylonians, the notes treat the prophecy as a warning about the actual locust plague with the prophet used as a picture of judgment. The blessings for the reader as you read Joel's prophecy, consider carefully his call to repentance. Consider your life, beliefs, and plans in view of God's holy word. Pray for the Lord's forgiveness and ask for the blessing of his Holy Spirit which he poured out in holy baptism. His spirit will be will help you understand the word and put it into place and put it into practice. When you read Joel's comments about the day of the Lord, consider them with all earnestness. Let them encourage you to share the good news of God's love and the forgiveness with those who have not yet heard or believed in the Lord. Though he is coming to judge the world and condemn the unrepentant, he is also coming to declare not guilty to all who trust in his mercy through the Lord Jesus Christ. So a quick outline real fast here. We've got uh, two major sections. We have our superscription in verse one in chapter one. And then uh, the first section is catastrophes current and coming. This covers chapter one through chapter two. Uh, we have the current catastrophe, the, the plague, uh, locust plague. We have the description of the locust plague. We have a call to fast in the temple. And then we have a lament and prayer. And then starting in chapter two, we have the coming catastrophe, the day of the Lord. And we have the blow of the trumpet in Zion, the, Lord, the Lord's army as locusts call to return to the Lord and a call to fast in the temple. And then we uh, have the second uh, section, and this is the Lord's response. This is chapter 2, verse 18, all the way through the end of chapter 3. We have the locust plague, the healing and restoration. This is verses 18 through 27 of chapter 2. Then we have uh, verses 28 through 321, the coming of the day of the Lord. This is broken down into the salvation for survivors who escape 
a call to all the prophets. Uh, ones calling on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is a pretty prominent uh, text, so we'll get to that in a couple of weeks. And then the judgment of all of the nations in chapter 3. The summons and accusations and the nations are sentenced where Judah is blessed. So this, you know, B of, uh, of section two, the judgment of the nations, where it says the nations are sentenced and while Judah will be blessed, is a, you know, can go back to how Jesus or um, Luther was saying that Jesus will uh, bless all of the people who have faith in him and they would all be considered a part of Judah, a part of the nation of Israel because Israel is a representation to the church and all the faithful believers. So that's going to wrap up Joel introduction. And uh, we will be back next week with Joel chapter one, and we will work through that text. It is a uh, fairly good sized chapter, 20 verses. Chapter two is even a little bit bigger with 32 verses. And then chapter three is obviously 21 verses. So, we will graciously work through the text and unpack it for you as you get into reading the story on Joel. And I hope you guys enjoy this series. I have greatly appreciated this time going through the Minor Prophets, and uh, I hope it has helped to be educational to you uh, on this journey. So until next week, ladies and gentlemen, God bless and have a great week. you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.